If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or CrestwoodDental.com. He scores! This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton uh, here to talk a little uh, Blues hockey, but today I feel like there will be Blues hockey and then there will be some other NHL things. You're already giving me a dirty look and we just started. What else is there to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> There's hardly anything that's happened this there week. really is. Yeah. We were struggling for material. It's, we really, really I were. know Donnie wants to just get after me right now. No, 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 no. Jeff. Yeah, you literally... Actually, you are you are kind of wrong, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, yeah man. Because okay. yeah. earlier this week, he he literally came out of a room behind and threw me in a headlock <laughs> and was like, I don't understand you. <laughs> Explain yourself. I was like, felt like I had a little squirrel monkey on my head. I'm like, what is going on here? I appreciate you calling me little. Right, that is right, incredibly yeah. kind. Yeah. But dude, I think the thing about, all right, and, and we'll just start off well, with the Tom Wilson thing here while, while, while you set it up. So I just, after everything happened, I, you know, I had an idea of what I thought Jamie's perception of the incident would be. All right. We talked about it. He stuck up for Tom Wilson, which he has done on the show before. Mm-hmm. And because of how much I trust in your hockey knowledge and acumen. Are you talking to him or me? Him. Yeah. <laughs> him. Both. <laughs> I, it made me rethink the entire situation with Wilson. And then... Every hell breaks loose yesterday with the Rangers, mm-hmm. where they where they fire the president, they fire JD. Uh-huh. Like like, they, they, I just have so many questions about this, and it's made me. I don't know that I have any more of a clear picture in my head on whether or not I'd want Tom Wilson as a blue, but I oh, feel yeah, as would. though there is indeed a perception of him that when a thing like this happens. It's automatically to the worst possible, you know, scenario, his intentions, all of those things. To me, there are too many people that are sticking up for this guy that matter to me, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That there's got to be something there. This isn't just a clear-cut, you know, dirty player sort of thing. But I feel as though... I'm confused. I'm confused about the perception of this guy for the NHL. The NHL is 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 touting player safety, player safety, and I'm not saying that he's solely irresponsible for that, but I, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's some mixed signals. Okay, I, you so know what I'm saying? Let's start from the beginning. Okay, that right. way we can chronologically go through this. Okay, so we get it right. So Buchnevich for the Rangers had hit Ovechkin in a. Kind of, sort of, dirty way. Ovechkin had to leave the game. This is the part that nobody's talking about right now. So then Buchnevich goes near the goalie, bumps the goalie, whatever, gets into the crease, and so Wilson gives him a little, just a little side, shoulder, head. Guys, nothing that you would be like, oh, that's so vicious. Then everybody from the Rangers jumps on top of Wilson. I don't know how many bar fights you guys have been in. I don't know how many... I'm not going to go to the ice because I know you haven't been in those kinds of brawls where people are ripping at your face from behind and they're trying to punch you and whatever, right? So put yourself in a position where you're on the ice with somebody and all you can feel is hands pounding on you, ripping at you. Where do you think you go mentally? The adrenaline goes through the roof. You're in I'm going to protect myself at all cost mode. So Wilson jumps up, and this is where the referees are responsible for this. The referees are trained to always find the most dangerous person on the ice and eliminate that situation first. That's just always the way it is. Excuse me. Like when Tony Twist would lose his mind, two refs would go to him. And let's take Twister down first because he's the most dangerous person on the ice. They didn't do that here. They left for another scrum that they deemed to be more important at the time, which nobody else on that ice was as dangerous as Tom Wilson. Now, it's like I said to Anthony Stalter the other day, are you really surprised that you pulled the lion's tail and then got bit? You shouldn't be. That's right. Okay, so did he go over the top a little bit? Yeah, probably. When he saw that the helmet was off, he probably should have backed it down a bit. But who are we to decide in that moment where his adrenaline's at, what he's feeling at the time? And Panarin was all over him. I laughed like a squirrel monkey. He was all over him like a squirrel monkey leading up to that. And then he didn't even drop his gloves. If he wanted to, okay, and I've seen it. I've played with some really tough guys. That would have been a moment like, oh, it's on. Gloves off, no refs. I'm going to beat the living snot (laughs) out of Artemi Panarin. Because there ain't nobody coming to help him. He didn't do that. He threw him around a little bit like a rag doll. Yes, it looked bad. Yes, if I'm the Rangers, yes, I'm angry. Do something about it. Do something about it. That's where I leave it. And I know I've been on this hill, and a lot of hockey fans and hockey media people don't see see it the way I do, and they want to criticize me, and then the game has passed. I've taken too many pucks to the head, too many punches to the head. It's okay because when I look over to the former players – and executives, and people that are within the sport that are all agreeing with what I'm saying, that's all I need for justification. And Tom Wilson, I've done my homework. T.J. Oshie is one of the best guys in the world. Talked to T.J. Oshie about him. Said, he is the glue of this team. He said, Alexander Ovechkin wears the C, but Tom Wilson may as well wear a C as well. That's how highly he's regarded in that locker room. 
And the, he always says most of the time when he's doing something, it's not with Tom Wilson that he's trying to take care of. It's doing something for the team or protecting one of his teammates. Or he feels like it needs to be done, whatever the case. So make of that what you will. We ended up with that situation that from there went crazy. Dude, it went nuts. So then yesterday, the Rangers put out a statement that, that I mean, absolutely blasts the, the, the head yeah, of the officiating. Really weird statement, mm-hmm. by the way. Really, I don't know as a sports fan that I've ever seen one like that. For, it's for almost, almost like anything. somebody had too many cocktails, was really, really butthurt, and wrote this thing, and nobody cleared it. Like, it was like somebody had a direct path to push send. And I think that's kind of what would maybe tie into the firings later, is where was the pecking order on this? Like, who clicked send on this? Okay, that's, I was going to ask, you just asked to ask that question, too. Who sent this out? Well, obviously, it's... It's one or the other, right? It's either Jeff Gordon, the GM, or JD, the president. One of oh, them, really. One of them ordered <laughs> to a, a few good men. A good movie a long time ago. One of them ordered the code red, you know, because the media guy's not sending that out. He's not drafting that up on his own and saying, "Hey, I want to send this out because I'm very angry right now." No, he has. There's a chain of command that it has to follow. Now, how that chain of command is set up. Ultimately, might be why there were some firings because ordinarily, on something like that, a team statement, you'd have it go through the president, or let me back that up the owner, the president, the GM, and the head coach because they all have to agree that, okay, this is what's best for the team. Because if one guy just says, okay, send, look what happened. Like the Rangers, some people were behind it. Some people ridiculed it. See, and I, and I heard, and I thought it was down the hall with you, with your radio station, not necessarily your show. Maybe it was NHL Network, but I heard that there was a rumor that they were let go because they were not on board with this statement, and that it was As James J- yeah. James Dolan was the, the 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 owner was the one that pushed it out. It's possible. It's possible because guys. that dude's an absolute. Yes, he, he's he's he is. A not a great owner. Correct. He's yeah. He's not very uh, well received in any sport where Correct. he owns teams. Yes, thank you. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, I don't know. Okay, we're not in that room. We don't know what happened. All I know is that JD and Jeff Gordon took the heat for. Well, they're claiming because the rebuild took too long. He could have waited three games and fired right. them. Right. You know? Yeah. So on the heels of this, it's it looks like a a, a messy situation that he wanted to clean up quickly and blame a couple of people, throw them under the bus for it. Do you think the general public fans that only see the, man, this guy's an a-hole that has had however many suspensions and however many fines and stuff, do you think those people would have been placated more if it was more of a fine? And I know you can't because of the CBA, but why is it so low? But what did he do? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, no, but asking. I'm asking. So here's the thing, right? Okay, because we, we look at other incidents, and listen, Tom Wilson has been an ass hat yes. at times. Yeah, he has the history. A hundred percent. There's hits like the Oscar Sundquist hit, takes his head off. He deserved every game he got, and he has been punished severely, guys. He's been out 20-some games for incidents. That He's given back like over $5 million in fine money through games not played. He has been punished. But when I isolate this situation, what what did he really do? He threw a guy to the ice, picked him up, and threw him down again. 
Well, the guy had no helmet on. He grabbed him by the hair and threw him down. We think he grabbed yeah. him by the hair. It looks like it from the video. Aaron never confirmed it, though. Well, I, I, can he can he talk yet? No, I'm joking. Uh, but then the guy on the ice with the stick underneath his neck and pushing him down and pulling him up, all that stuff. It's just bad optics is all I'm saying. Okay, but I'm not you, saying we should no, vilify no, no, the guy. No, no, None no, of this no, stuff. Jeff, I'm you want to open devil, this? Let's I'm open being it. being devil's advocate. That's okay. all I'm doing. No, no. Let's get this going. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, the very next night. I saw it. I know what you're saying. Yeah. He's on top of Travis Konechny. He drives Konechny's head into the ice, picks it up, and slams it down a few more times. So should if, if you give Tom Wilson 10 games, yes. Sidney Crosby I'm, gets 10. No, no, I'm not saying 10 games. I'm saying what my whole point in bringing this up is a lot of people are up $5,000 fine. Well, that guy's got that in his belly button. Why is it only $5,000? Because could that be... Something that makes somebody go, oh, I shouldn't do like this. Like a deterrent is, what, you. is what you're Thank saying. Thank you for a, the a worthwhile, word. a worthwhile deterrent. The NHL yeah. evaluates their fine and their suspension uh, system off of the initial play, not the end result. Sometimes it feels like, okay, the guy got a few extra games because a guy got hurt, this, that, the other. They looked at that play. You can't prove. It looks like he grabbed hair. Maybe he didn't. Because if you look at the other glove, if you slow it down, his other right glove is shoving up into Panarin's chin at the same time. So is it the shove to the face or is it the pull to the – I don't know. I'm not defending it. I told you guys, I think it was dumb, okay? But I don't view it as this massive, like, throw him out of the game. Oh, and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. not Jeff, saying that at all. did you read some of the comments? Oh, oh yeah. Dude. Oh, you kidding Ban me? Ban yeah. him for life. Yeah, yeah, of course. Him yeah. Like, yeah. But, but, you guys, know what's, come on. but you know what's crazy to me is that all of those voices – Okay, seem to me to not be coming from players, former players, executives, anything of the like. It they're seems not. to be idiots there like was, me. No, you're that not idiots. I mean, but you know what I'm saying. I not, have a question about a guy. A guy that uh, I think it was somebody on your guys' radio station. Uh, they they replayed the audio of a his last name Scott. John Scott. John Scott. Yes. Who oh, just vilified. Okay, that's what I was, I'm Scott. asking. Who's this Give guy? Me a break. Okay. <laughs> John Scott thinks he was a tough guy at one point. Oh, my God. Now, do you have to think that you're a tough guy to give your opinion on this No, but everybody goes to that route, right? Well, that's the only guy I've heard. That's the only reason I bring him up. Let's just put him in his own category. He's looking for downloads to his crappy podcast that never really took off. So uh, let's just be honest there. Well, uh, okay. Well, then then I look at guys like Kelly Chase, who voiced in on it. I look at guys who were skill players. Ryan Whitney, who's uh, one of the hosts for Spitting Chicklets. He wasn't a tough guy. Right. And he's like, why are they crying about it? Why didn't the goalie, when he saw Wilson throwing Panera, why didn't the goalie come in and just tackle Wilson? Why didn't somebody do something? Why didn't they let go of their dance partner and jump in, Jeff? That's what I'm – if I'm a team, if I'm David Quinn, the head coach of the Rangers, I'm more worried about why my guys didn't respond. Hmm. I wonder if that's why those dudes got fired. I, you know, David Sinnott, I, I mean, I wonder if the, the teams maybe – I don't want to say the the phrase lack of backbone is popping yeah, in my head. Soft. Maybe there's a better way to say it. Donnie, they're soft. It's but, okay. But maybe that's it. And maybe they were just like, you know what? I, we're not going to win this way. Now's the time to do it. Okay, but then here's my final question on this, and then we can move on to something else. No, I like this. Okay, so last night in the in the, in the rematch, six fights in the first yeah, six minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, baby, it was on. Let's get it out. All right, which is great. And, and okay, and I love that part of hockey. But doesn't it run the risk? 
of those players taking care of it that way and there being more injury or another injury or, you know what I'm saying? How many guys were injured last night in their fights? I know, buddy. None. But I'm just saying, worst case, you're right. I guess guess you're right. And it was a really unbelievable way to start the game. And And as soon as I saw on Twitter that that had happened, I was like... Oh God! Where do I find this? from the standpoint of nobody? Nobody walks out during a fight in hockey. Yeah, I didn't get to see it live last night. I, I I taped it, but I didn't get a chance to even watch it. So when I got here this morning, I went to Google and I put in the thing, and it, you know the game highlights come up from the NHL. Did not show it. Oh, it was it was this. It was drop of the puck, and then the three. You know, forwards all dropped theirs and went like this, and then it faded to the next oh, highlight. Boo. I was like, "You son of a bitch, <laughs> dude!" When I well, that, you got to figure out because well, yeah. NHL's taking some heat. But right. look, guys, right. here, here's the deal on that: is the second period and the third period was there any was there any BS? No, probably not. No, it got taken care of. Yeah. So the players will always police the game if you let them, and, and you just but you have to be able to do it. And so look at I. I the fighting and all that, people can say what they want, but I, if you go through Twitter and you go through everybody three days ago or two days ago that was, like, appalled by the violence, appalled by this, and Tom Wilson should be sent to an island and, you know, all this stuff, they're commenting last night, great job by the Rangers, way to stand up. Where's your wait, consistency? Wait, well, what right. are we doing here? Would You're- your thought process be, and again, I'm just being a devil's advocate, I'm not pushing back at you as Jeff and Jamie at all. If he would have hurt Panarin, if he would have thrown him down by the hair or punched him, whichever, no helmet, and he'd have slammed his head, been out cold, yeah. something even worse, then it. would you be upset? 100%. It changes it. It changes everything. You know, in what way? Well, because if a player's seriously injured, and I know it's easy to say in hindsight now, you know, but that's what we're trying to prevent. I get it. But ultimately, let's back it up again. If we're trying to prevent it, hey, Panarin, go get a different dance partner. There are five guys on the ice. You chose to jump on his back because you thought he was down and out. And then all of a sudden, the the big black bear got up and reared its head on you. And you were like, oh, crap, he's not chained up. And you couldn't get away. That's your fault. If you had injured himself, nobody wants that, okay? I don't want to see anybody get seriously injured. And my point to Donnie about how many serious injuries, there were none. And you had guys that fought immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean- and you had guys that went down quick and guys that didn't punch them when they were down. And let up and got up. And the referees couldn't break up every fight. The players broke up their own fight. Right. Zidane Chara skated right up, right up to Smith off that faceoff. Once everybody was throwing down and Smith was like, man, I don't want this. <laughs> he, he basically was like, I don't want this smoke. <laughs> right. And Chara goes, okay. And like you can see him just points like, stay over here then. Don't go near the fights. <laughs> and, but that's respect. Yeah. Sure. If, if you really were trying to do it up, Chara would have just went over and ripped that guy's head off. You know, now if that guy would have skated right at Chara and did something or jumped him from behind, and then Chara grabs the guy and body slams him from twenty five feet up, oh, whose fault is it now? The it's guy no that di- went after Chara. It's no different than the Panarin Wilson situation. I guess my whole thing was somebody said along the line, "Well, nobody got hurt. Who cares? Nobody got hurt." But in the same respect, that's saying. Dude, I went out and got hammered last night. I drove home. Shouldn't have, but nobody got hurt. Yeah. No, you're not wrong, Jeff. I will say that. Look at man, I- I'm not so pig-headed to be like, it's just this way and my way, and this is sure. the only answer. I'm not. I agree that somebody could have, Panarin could have gotten hurt seriously there. He didn't, thank God. Uh, he's got a lower body injury from whatever that was. The Rangers say that he won't play the rest of the season. I think he probably gets back for a game. But that's neither here nor there. 
I don't want to see guys get hurt either. But that's why you have to have some toughness in your lineup. I can tell you this. Tom Wilson would have been a Bear Cub in the NHL in the mid-90s. He wouldn't have been this big killer. Mm -hmm. Every team. Think about this. You just go through the Blues lineup. You had Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, Rudy Poshek. Tom Wilson probably pairs up pretty good against Chaser, size-wise. But was he as crazy? Was he as tough? No. Then send him into the other teams. Look at the 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 the, uh, the Blackhawks had Probert, Reed Simpson, Vanden Bush, Dave Manson. Send him wherever you send him. He would have been a Bear Cub. He wouldn't have done anything if if the New York Rangers had Ryan Reeves on the bench. Tom Wilson probably would not have slammed Panarin to the ice. Hmm. He probably would have thought twice about it. Went ooh. It just. The whole thing is fascinating to me. And like I said, I thought it was very black or white from the beginning. And the more that no, I listened, it, the Jeff. more I was like, no, you're just, oh. you're, you contradicted yourself, though. How? Because you said in the heat of the moment, I'm just going after it and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Now you're saying if Ryan Reeves was on the ice in the heat of the moment, I go, ooh, I better stop because Ryan No, Reeves. he probably would have thrown him down. And then instead of the pick him up and throw him down again, he, you realize who it is. And you think to yourself, okay, there's probably a guy over there that's going to kick my face in. Hmm. All right. I have a. Any more on Tom Wilson? No, 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 no. Okay. It is just still completely a fascinating situation. It really, it absolutely, hundred percent is. And even uh, I've I've had a question in my head since I think yesterday that you guys talked about on your show. I think Meat came up with a question that was really good, shocked the hell out of me. Wow, what good for Meat? Yeah, and I think meat, it was one of you. Meat it, listens to this too. That's Dude, Meat's meat, awesome. I'm sorry, I meant a, a different buddy. Meat. I'm just <laughs> I meant Meatloaf. Uh, the question about when did a defenseman have to all of a sudden become an offensive defenseman too? Fascinating topic to me, and you had to, because of the format of your show, you had to give a 30 second answer. I'd yeah, like yeah. to get into it a little bit more. Like when did that change? And basically, the question was when did a defenseman have to all of a sudden have all this offensive skill too? Because if you go, if you listen to these podcasts, how much have we talked about Tory Krug? You know, can't clear the front of the eye or front of the net, but he's good offensively. You know, uh, done. You can skate around that guy like he's a pylon no, sometimes, Jeff, that's but he's good not offensively. Um, okay, so not a pylon. He's all fired up right now. No, but you know what I'm saying. What happened? Where was the turn, and how come? And was there a particular player that maybe marked that turn? Okay, well, one, there's several players who okay. marked that turn. Um, the turn happened out of the 04 lockout, where you came back and you couldn't touch anybody without drawing a penalty. So instead of playing that hard-nosed defense in your face, grab a guy and ride him into the boards and whatever, you had to play like poke-check hockey and then try to push the puck up the ice and score goals. I mean, that's what the NHL was trying to create. So the six foot six defenseman who could only go off the glass and out and clear the front of the net and maybe beat the snot out of you, he kind of rode off into the sunset, right? Yeah. And you started seeing the emergence of guys like uh, Nicholas Cronwall, Eric Carlson. Of course, Nick Lidstrom was always a part of it. But that was your template right there. That was your template. Brent Burns went from being a forward. They played him defense. And look at what he's done as a defenseman. So you've... The question that was asked on the fast lane was, you know, in a, in an era where everybody's zigging and one team zags, as far as football was the question, what did the NHL zag at? And the zag was the defenseman became more of the offense. It became uh, an integral part of your offense. And if you look at our Blues teams for the last couple of years, specifically under Coach Berube, look at the activation of the D. I mean, right. how many times did you see... Alex Petrangelo up in the play, Colton Pareko, Robert Bortuzzo the other night. Like, Chief encourages the D to be involved as that second layer of offense coming up. 
and they're a massive part of continuing your puck pressure in the offensive zone off the cycle. You'll end up with D down behind the net with the puck, the forward now playing D. So in my opinion, the biggest change in the NHL since 2004, let alone all the rules and all that stuff, the game itself is that each player has to be able to possess the skills to be a forward. You have to be able to skate forward. Now the D obviously skate forward, skate backwards, good edge work, passing, skating, shooting, all that stuff. You have to be able to do it as a defenseman. Now you can't just get by on, um, you know, being like uh, stick on puck, body on body, chip it off the glass and out. That's not going to get you ice time. This is kind of. I'm, I'm. I'm sorry. This is not really an exact question, but but did that type of player, the the offensive, offensive uh, <laughs> defenseman. Did that was that like a a European style player? I mean, a lot of those names that you mentioned were, but was that something that maybe was a little bit? Uh, maybe the KHL had that a little bit before we did, or something along those lines. No, no. Look, if you go back, I mean, let's go right back. Bobby Orr. If we want to go all the okay. way back, that Bobby Orr was that guy. Right, sure. Ray Bork was that guy. Paul Coffey was that guy. Yeah, yeah. Al McInnes was that guy. You're like, right. You look at teams had that one or two guys that were offensive weapons. The change was that everybody became offensive weapons. So you still have your specialists. You still have your your Tory Krugs, your quarterback power play that are probably just a little extra special offensively. But you also have guys like Nico Mikola that are jumping up in the play and making things happen offensively. I brought up Robert Bortuzzo. He's down, got two shots on net, scored the goal. Why was he down in front of the net? Because that's the mentality. The D have to activate, have to play offense. And he's not... No disrespect to, to Bortz, but he's not an Eric Carlson-type player. Sure. You know, He's just a regular defenseman now, but that's what your regular defenseman looks like now in the NHL. Man. What would you think of uh, Nico Mikola last night? I actually liked the kid. I thought it was fanta- I, fantastic. I didn't see all of the game, but what I saw, I thought he was very physical. He has been really physical since coming into the lineup. I will give the kid a ton of credit. He recognized what the team needs, right? And usually that's a maturation process. And it took me like six years of my career to figure out, okay, I'm best served if I scout my own team, evaluate what they have, what they don't have, I'm going to become. And that's how I stayed in the league. I it, Chameleon. My brother called me a chameleon. He's like, you just, whatever you needed to do, you did it because all of a sudden, well, hey, well, he's that style of player. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't. <laughs> it was a big, it was a ruse. Okay. <laughs> the but, imposter syndrome, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, wait, take that mask off. But no, and, and I survived doing that. Well, right now, Nico Mikola has realized that Craig Bruby wants a big, tough defenseman, clear the front of the net, joins the attack when possible. And that's what he's doing. A little bit of bad luck last night where he goes to change his stick with the forward and they get a goal. His fault, not his fault, circumstances, whatever. It is what it is. But you look at the front of the net, he's got guys and he's driving them out of the way. Last night he got hit, turns and throws the mitts down. His first fight ever, guys. Ever. Ever. Wow. And so, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but he'll learn from that. Like Kyle Clifford or Braden Shen, somebody will grab him, Bortuzzo, and teach him how to hold a guy out there at six seven? You should never lose a fight, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of spinning around while spinning he was around, and you know he still got a little bit of the baby draft. He's not quite solid on his skates. And Zidane Charo was like that too. He was like that until like twenty six, twenty seven years old, which was thirty years ago for him. 
pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> pretty almost, just almost twenty years ago for him. Um, and that's how he was at first. You know, he had this reach and he'd swing and he kind of lose his balance and it would look really kind of ugly. And then all of a sudden, he figured out his balance. He got a little stronger. And then he just started beating the tar out of people. Okay, so I, have a, I know you got into a, new, uh, a number of fights in your career. Uh, if you envisioned the uh, Mikola fight last night to where the two guys are swinging at each other, but they're just pirouetting the whole yeah. time. Did you ever get into that situation? How the hell do you get out of that? Well, because it looks horrible. I would throw up just being dizzy, first of all. Well, you're spinning because your momentum, both of you, it's literally like centrifugal force. Like you're spinning. So the only way to get out of that, and what I would have done is at one point thrown one and grabbed with the right and then came back with the left to like be the salmon swimming upstream to to stop the current Mm -hmm. and... But you got to time that right. If you don't time that right, you're making the switch and, do, and homies land in one square across your face. So you got to you got to kind of switch, maybe dodge one, maybe just throw your left arm up to just block the punch and then come back the other way where he can't hold your arm because he's throwing right now. You're throwing left, and then if you're not a lefty, at least you throw the bomb, regrip, and then you start throwing the right again. I'm gonna tell science. You when I when I fight my older son, like when we mess around, mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm very lucky that I don't get hurt. <laughs> Wait, you guys talk put about it on skates two, first. Yeah, or no? I was just gonna say, and then you talk about two men on skates on ice that are doing this, and it is amazing to me that nobody gets killed. Like it is Donnie, just you would be shocked at the at the different technique and the maneuvers and the things that go on and the the thinking that gets done in a 25 second fight and how you get an advantage, how you. What you notice, like you got guys like Cam Jansen, who was a, a counter puncher. And so basically, because he never had the height or the reach, so guys are rearing back to hit him. He's got to time it to where when he feels that punch coming, he's got to kind of elbow up, like kind of eat it with the top of his head and be ready to fire back because that's the only time that the opponent's going to bring himself close enough that he can get Cam one. to hit. So Cam's hitting on your follow through, basically. He's a, he's a counter puncher. Yeah. Anybody wow. who knows boxing. You draw the opponent in, he throws a punch, you're counterpunching. You may eat a couple to do it, but that's why Cam fought so long in his fights. He would wear people down so they got sloppy, and then he'd usually clean the floor with them after. Oh, yeah, dude, sure it was, dude, it was amazing. It would be like 15 seconds of dancing, and then all of a sudden, oh, they're tired, and here comes Cam. Yeah. And it was just bam, 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 bam. But a strategy, right? And Twister, yeah. Twister was basically like you tried to run into a farmyard, <laughs> jump up onto the back of a bull with no restraints, and you tried to hold on for eight seconds. That's what fighting and that Twister bull was, was like. head to toe sweat too. By the way, and that bull, yeah, was trying to rip your head off. Yeah. And Twister would grab guys, and he would pull them. He was so strong, he would pull them. So your body would be launching forward, and then he'd have the <laughs> cinder block for a hand back here, and it'd be like pull, smash your face, pull, smash your face. It usually that created a bad. And he, and he would do four of those in about a second and a half. Too. Oh yeah, I mean the like, just the hammer. And like when you that. feel like, when you feel it, because I, I fought Twister in practice one time, not for real. Just was like, hey, let's do this. Don't cave the side of my head. And and so when I was like, okay, now I know. Like there is really no hope here. <laughs> there is really no hope. Like he's so strong, and you're you're pulling you forward off your feet, and you're trying to get your balance. And when you get your balance, now he comes with a punch. And you're like, okay, that felt like I just got hit with a Buick in the forehead. Yeah. Now you're trying. You're, you're leaning back. Well, then he pulls you forward again onto your toe. It, guys, it is not. I want to take. It's not a, a good feeling. Yeah. I want to oh, take gosh. a nap just listening to that. 
What, what do you it would take a nap listening? Yeah, because it would knock me on my butt. Oh, I got, it. I got you. The Holy back cow. of your neck. Okay, the jersey burn that happens in a normal fight from the tugging. The jersey burn. People would have like get stitches after fighting twi- <laughs> Twister. He would pull that jersey like through four layers of skin on the back of their neck. <laughs> Dude, wow. And, and and we just too over the years have just had so many good scrappers like that man and it was just amazing too when i was younger and i would be watching games with my dad and chaser would fight my dad would virtually almost every time bring up bob gasoff and how bob gasoff seemingly had a second gear where where just when you thought the fight was over a lot like no baby yeah yeah Yeah. And, and my dad even had mentioned that and i just uh it's just such a fascinating thing to me and i believe that the nuances of it all it's crazy it's it's mma on skates basically like grappling and striking and defense and like it's all it's craziness and then you don't think about it and then when you just do it naturally and you learn trust me like my first fight at 14 or 15 years old looked nothing like my last fight in the NHL you learn and you learn quickly cuz you're like ah, that wasn't good yeah <laughs> well i got to improve on that yeah. <laughs> got a hell of a slap shot but someone all right. should have told me he was a lefty <laughs> well now it's time for me to bring the room completely down by no, asking this question no we're not going down yet we're not going not? down yet. no no tj oshi oh yeah i'm going to the osh man himself um, one of the best St. Louis Blues guys ever in his tenure here. Yeah. Uh, in the trade to Washington, he's had so much success. He's got the wife, the kids, and Stanley Cup, and he's just been such an awesome dude. The guys in Washington love him. Um, his dad, he called him the coach, passed away. He'd been battling Alzheimer's. We remember mm-hmm. the Cup when he was celebrating. He's like, well, my dad, you know, he's not quite as good as he used to be and all that stuff. Last night, uh, well, his dad passed. Uh, I don't know if I said that already. And I uh, texted him with TJ Oshie uh, two days ago. Just said, hey, man, I'm really sorry about coach, blah, 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 blah. And just back and forth a little bit, he goes out and scores a hat trick. This first game back, like, it's a great story for the NHL, period. By the way, it's in the same game as all the fights. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to talk about a fairy tale ending here? Uh, we had six fights in four minutes, and TJ Oshie scored a hat trick the first game back after his dad passed away. That's the NHL in a nutshell. But TJ Oshie, man, I, I, I was honestly, guys, I was emotional last night after he scored his last goal, and his teammates are hugging him, and you can tell they're like grabbing, like one guy like kissed him on the helmet, and yeah. then he sat there and put his head down. You could tell he was emotional. I don't yeah. know if he was crying. I guarantee he was. Oh sure. And just like wow. That's what it's all about, guys. Can, can I uh, can I just ask a, a couple questions about uh, the, about TJ's career? He's one of my favorite Blues players. I, I absolutely love him. It's it's the only sweater that I have. Uh, is is uh, is an Oshi, and he's just the guy that God. He could seemingly go to the Hawks, and I'd still root for him. I don't want to get that far ahead, but but seemingly, I love that guy. What is it about TJ Oshi that has made him this special a player for this long? He loves the game of hockey, first of all. Because he seems like a hockey head. He's like, a hockey nut. He's a rink rat. He's yeah. a lot like a Ryan O'Reilly when it comes down to working on things and being at the rink and whatnot. But he's just an awesome dude. He's the guy that nobody wants to see fail because he cares about everybody. Says hi to people. He's gregarious. He's fun in the locker room. He dances around. He like Hockey is – the NHL is a huge playground for TJ Oshie. And people love it. It's, it's infectious. Watch any video with TJ Oshie's involved. Like, even to the pregame where they go out to the ice, 
He's got different dances with all the different guys. Smiling. Smiling, smiling all the time. Yeah, he's, got a, he's, got a, he's got a routine with just about every guy in the but, tunnel, right? But that's where he yeah. creates it. He yeah. does it. Why? Because now he has a special connection with every guy. But Tom Wilson, he cup checks him before every game. <laughs> and, you know, like, and you see them in the warm-up, and he's like, oh, like Tom was like, son of a. But it's something that that's T.J. Oshie. And I never played with T.J. Oshie here. Um, I worked with the team while he was here and did various appearances and, and got to know him. But guys loved him. They absolutely still, the guys that played with him just loved him. And uh, you know, Barrett Jackman was pretty close to T.J. Oshie when he was here, and like a father figure. And he's like, the kid's just awesome. Just an awesome dude. So that was, uh, for me, that was an amazing moment with a couple of amazing moments last night. Um, one being T.J. Oshie and the other being our guy, David Backus. Yeah, man. Wow. What did you Talk guys about think getting about emotional. that? I thought it was really neat, and I'm going to just share the same thought as everybody else. I wish it was you know, 20, 22,000 people there, unfortunately. Still really cool, and when I think this, the stadium gets refilled, he'll be there, and they'll, they'll do a round of applause again, that sort of thing. But I think it was, who was it on, on Anaheim that Backus, was it Getzloff? He said that he was responsible the captain. for all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I possible. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, look at Dallas Aikens. First of all, you guys may or may not remember he played here sure. for the Blues. Yeah. Uh, we were teammates, and I was saying yesterday on on my show, I was like, you know what? If they don't play him, if Dallas Aikens doesn't figure this out, like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, they did. They they dressed him, started him. And, you know, the rest is history. The Blues fans do what they do, which was appreciate a guy who who literally probably left his career here in St. Louis because yeah. he was never the same after. He had over 2,000 hits while playing for the St. Louis Blues, over 900 penalty minutes. This guy this guy bled blue for your team. And we talked about it yesterday on the show, and I'm, I'm going to be talking to people down at the, at the Blues, the ownership people, I think they need to start a a Blues Hall of Fame. Copycat the Cardinals. Yes. And guys, every year there's a vote, and guys get a blue jacket. Yes. A nice, like like powder blue jacket, like the retro, kind of what the first jerseys looked like. And, you know, never mind the Ring of Honor and things like that. Guys get a blue jacket, and every year for the home opener, those guys come on the ice, and you have the most recent inductees. I love it. uh, Dude. Drop the puck. For that night. And so then you have a blue jacket. You have the same thing. Yeah, you're copycatting the Cardinals. But guess what? Pretty good pretty good company to but copycat. But you're in there together, yeah, right? Like, yeah. go back to when the Rams left. Stillman and DeWitt family, they were like, it's us now. Right. The Winter Classic. Where did they play it? Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, right. There is such this amazing uh, family relationship between the Cardinals and the Blues. Why not piggyback off Well, and, and also, too, and this brings up something that we talked about a long time ago, and that was I had mentioned the idea of retiring uh, Backus' 42, and as much as you love David Backus, I don't believe that you are 100% no, on board I, with there's that. There's no chance. And that, but see, this is a great other way for him yeah. and, and great Blues players alike to be honored that well, way. Well, it doesn't I'm have to just that. be the superstars, right? That's what's great about the Cardinals Hall of Fame is you have a bunch of different personalities, different levels, not necessarily like baseball Hall of Famers, right? but they're Cardinal Hall of Famers. And so you get guys like maybe Kelly Chase is a Blue Jacket guy. He's 100%. Maybe Tony Twist is. Maybe, who knows, right? Players that are obscure players that you're like, okay, that guy there should be a Blues Hall of Famer because look at what he did for the Blues on and off the ice. Right. To me, the criteria is not just what they did on the ice. The criteria is what impact did they have on the community 
and the growth of your organization. Or former <laughs> players that stayed in town and coached young players, and those players went on to carry on the NHL tradition for St. Louis. I can't think of anybody. <laughs> and, did, and, I can't think of anybody who did that. Boy, but boy, that would be something yeah, for somebody's we can't resume. Think of anybody that would, you know what I mean? Something like, like maybe that. their playing career wasn't filled with lots of accolades, but boy, the work that they've done in town after the fact has really made a huge difference. Well, I appreciate there that. Is, I, I think, hey, man, that, we weren't talking about you. No, I know. You were, I know. Rest, <laughs> restaurant and bar owner Jim Campbell is who we were talking about. Well, it certainly impacted people. But you know what, though, man? I mean, as as a legit St. Louis, and whether I know. Whether I personally knew you or not, Jamie, if I would have known the, the people responsible for that next level of keeping hockey here and keeping it a big deal, that means the world to me. Absolutely. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. just as much as Osh doing what Osh does. I mean, it's all a part of the of the hockey community, and that's why I love it here so goddamn much. That, the best part would be fans would vote on it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. every year you have you go through the eras, and maybe some you don't even vote yet. Maybe some are automatic, where you're like, okay. We know these 10 players here are automatic, so let's get that out of the way first. First year, we, we have a huge induction of 10 players and get it out of the way. And after that, you put like five guys on the ballot, and then people can – you have an other, right? People write in. So then if you get enough of the other with the same name, next year he's on the ballot. B-A-S-S-E-N. First name, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Basson. I don't know. I just picked him because that's the one I knew how to spell. No, I don't know. I just think it would be a great idea, when, great, especially fantastic. when we watch guys like David Backus, guys like TJ Oshie, guys like Alex Petrangelo, and guys that go off and finish their careers elsewhere, but they were so instrumental in being a St. Louis Blue, whether it's from 67 to 2021. There's so many guys that have been a huge part of it. I want my dude Brendan Shanahan wearing that baby blue jacket. He should. Don't. That's really what I want, cool. man. You know, what? I love that. That he is absolutely one of my favorite players, and I can still picture in my head my dad and I watching the night that Keith Kachuk cut him, and then he came back and exacted, scored two goals, and then just beat the bejesus out of Kachuk. What would be great is if they inducted both of those guys the same night. Love it. That Dude. Would be so great. <laughs> right, right. I am so excited right now, it's uncomfortable. Well, I'm don't gonna, stand up. I'm, I've done this before with all my ideas. I better call the blues today. <laughs> yes, please. You if, need to write not, it down I will. for real. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I have this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that needs to happen for Dude, sure. Dude, that is just such a, that is a legit fantastic idea. And at this point, I don't feel like it's a copying sort of thing. Everybody's kind of doing their just, own. Thing. Everybody does their own, their ring of honor, they're this, they're that. Yeah. Or, I just think with the Cardinals having led the charge. And they do their thing. You don't copycat with the the Clydesdales and all that. No, you have a ceremony where the guys come out and maybe you have a golf tournament every year, same time. And what you do is you raise money for local charities or local businesses right now that are still just crushed by the pandemic. Whatever needs attention, because you got to believe that the business, the biggest businesses in town and the most people with the most money are going to want to be a part of this Blues Hall of Fame golf tournament that benefits, you know, charities X, Y, and Z, and at the same time, it's part of that celebration. Guys, it just seems like, and I, you know, I'm a homer, I, I get it, but man, it just really seems like we are in a genuine hockey hub that is only, conti- I mean, that is only going to continue to grow with the things at Lindenwood, with the amateur program, I mean, with all of these things, it just feels like maybe we're, we're still kind of at the beginning of how big of a hockey city this is really going to be. Well, with the new rinks and all that coming in, and like you said, yeah, I mean, the, the, everything goes in stages, right? And 
Right now, we're at the stage where we're about to have massive growth again here in St. Louis. And it's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, you guys have no idea how many kids are are leaving St. Louis in a positive way, playing junior hockey, college hockey, going on to bigger, better things. St. Louis is going to be re- represented on every single team in the NHL within the next 10 years. Gosh, that's so exciting, man. Well, I want to get you a blue jacket now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is the last. I got one at home. I'll just start wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last minute blues podcast. Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. Listen, you like the podcast. Share us with your friends. Let them know what we're doing. Uh, the playoffs are on the way. We will continue with these podcasts and having a great time while doing it. As always, let's go blues. It's the last minute blues podcast. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.